Housing is the biggest crisis of our time. The solution is to build, well everyone knows that, but how to build at the speed and volume that's needed, that's the question that no one seems to be able to answer. The bottom line here is, we need supply, supply, supply. That is the fundamental way to deal with this crisis. As the housing crisis rumbles on, viable solutions to it often seem few and far between. We are living through a housing emergency. Government needs to acknowledge that and government needs to respond speedily, efficiently and in in an appropriate way. So far, government measures to tackle the emergency, no matter how big or small, don't seem to be making much of an impact. But in a recent Irish Times opinion piece, housing experts Rory Hearn, whose latest book is called Gaffs, and Phil Murphy, claim to have a proposal which they say would solve the crisis. So, what is it? And would it actually work? And if so, why aren't we doing it already? This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, I speak to Rory Hearn about his radical plan to solve the housing crisis. Rory, in your opinion piece in the Irish Times, you say, we've talked enough about the housing crisis, here's a radical plan. What is that plan? The plan is to essentially set up a national home building agency that would directly build homes on behalf of the state and to do it at a very, very significant scale and essentially in the same way that we provide doctors, nurses, teachers to ensure we've health and education, we need to do the same in housing. So what is the current state of play in terms of how many houses are being built? Where are we now? So this, so last year we had 30,000 homes built in the country. Um, the housing for all the government's plans targets were 33,000. This year, we're going to see that fall to, in terms of the actual delivery, to 27,000 based on the commencement notices. Um, so we're going to see an actual fall in delivery. It is not clear what we're going to see in terms of next year. There seems to be a slight uptake, but no dramatic change. We're, our analysis shows that since 2016, the had, there has been a consistent failure every single year for both the market and the state to meet the targets for delivery set out in national housing plans. And the accumulated deficit that wasn't delivered over those years is 63,000 homes. So that is a very significant gap in terms of what should have been delivered um, or what needs to be delivered. Reading your column, and which I should say it was written also by uh, housing researcher Phil Murphy, I mean, you come away thinking there's nothing been done about housing. But like, is that fair? It's not as if the government doesn't know that there's a housing shortage. I mean, who is building the houses being built currently? Yeah, I don't think the, the the intention wasn't to give the impression that nothing is being done in terms of the, the opinion piece and in the paper. What we make the case is, though, that what is being done is insufficient to meet the scale of the need of that is there. So that is the case. It's not saying that there's nothing being done. Um, And some responses have been (laughs) defensive from both government um, and the private sector saying, well, look, we are delivering. And I accept the private sector 
and the state is delivering. And I'll explain to you exactly how now shortly. But our bigger point was, well, actually, it's not delivering on the scale that's needed. And therefore, we need something additional in terms of what actually is delivering right now. If you look at those um, 30,000 homes that were built last year in the region of 5,000 were what we would call once off self-built homes generally around the country. And they're built by people themselves, individuals. Then you have in the region of 8,000 homes, what we call scheme homes. They would have been developers contracting builders to build. About a further eight to nine thousand were built to rent, built by investor funds. And then the remaining was um, social housing, seven and a half thousand social homes last year. But the majority of those 73 percent, as the Irish Times reported last week, 73 percent of the social housing built was actually bought from the market. It was bought from private developers and builders. So who is building right now is essentially large investor funds um, who would contract or forward purchase from private developers, the likes of Glenvey, Cairn, who would then essentially contract in builders, building companies to build the development. So that's and there, there are many, many building companies building homes. So that's what's happening right now. When you break it down, Rory, like that, I mean, the figures seem really small, given the the scale of the problem. And, and you, you say that you know, this is a state failure. The successive governments have reduced the state's own capacity to deliver housing and has handed housing supply over to the market. Um, you know, we can all, specifically in Dublin, I suppose, we can all point to fine housing, local authority housing estates built in the 30s, 40s, 50s. So when did the slowdown begin? When did that stop? It does go back to the 1980s. You know, we're talking almost, well, well, 40 years now when this idea that council housing and social housing was no longer something that the Irish state should do systematically. It started in the first um, austerity, which was 1987, um, Fianna Fáil led government uh, at that point. We had a severe um, economic contraction and one of the areas they cut in particular was local authority building of homes. And they also removed the rates at that time as well, the ability of local authorities to raise finance themselves and build. And it was part of that period of of what we would call like the the Margaret Thatcher ideology, the neoliberal ideology of, well, everything will come from the market now. States have failed. Then that ideology, that belief, and it, it became the dominant view that council housing, councils no longer did housing. It was ineffective. We had all these failed estates, um, which were actually, as I point out in my book, estates that were failed by the state in terms of lack of maintenance, lack of services. And there there was this real mistaken conflation between the difficulties that were seen in some social housing estates with actual social housing itself as a, as a method of delivery of housing. And successive governments over the, the last 40 years have, have repeated the mistake of assuming that the market is the best way to provide housing and council housing failed. And it has only been really since housing for all at a policy level. Is there an acknowledgement? Well, they they don't actually say we made a mistake over the last 40 years. They just say we are now turning back to local authorities and social housing. Um, But I would make the case that and the evidence, I think, is there that there has been at, at some level a shift in policy in terms of policy intention, but the practicality and the implementation of that has not really been rolled out in terms of 
returning to a large scale direct delivery by the state. So that's the solution that you propose, that there would be a state agency and you've given it a name, Homes for Ireland, the Irish Sustainable Home Building Agency. So what would this agency do? So this agency would directly itself, so it would hire, employ all the skills that are needed, all the trades that are needed, all the professions that are needed to directly build homes. And it would also, and we put the word sustainable purposely in the title, it would also seek to engage in a significant programme of refurbishment of derelict buildings, which we know are the most sustainable form of housing uh, using existing buildings, and it would engage in retrofitting as well. And we make a much broader case that in terms of, because some people have been asking, well, you know, you employ these all these workers and then you build the housing and what happens when you're finished then? You have all these permanent employees. And I'd say, well, great, if we ever get to a point where we've built enough homes and we've solved the housing crisis, that will be a great time to get to. But the environment and climate emergency and, and changes that are needed means there will be no point at which you won't need constant refurbishing, upgrading. And, and it comes back to the point I made earlier about that shift away from social housing. We made a mistake in this country assuming that housing just looks after itself. And so there wasn't this maintenance of social housing, this constant refurbishment, upgrading that keeps it at really high standards. So there will be no point, there will be at no point in the future you won't need construction expertise within the public sector. So the idea is that this this agency would be set up, it would hire those workers, it would be a, a national body that would have regional offices because there's regional dynamics in terms of delivery. And essentially, if you think about it like an ESB for housing, that is what it would be. And it would be given the funding initially in terms of from the surplus budget surpluses that are there. And it would deliver social housing, cost rental housing, which is the affordable rental and affordable housing to buy. And that is a significant part of our proposal. But that affordable housing to buy If you bought that, you could only then sell it back to the agency. So it's a way to overcome this uh, this kind of the the sale of the housing stock that we lost, that you retain this affordable housing, public housing um, on a permanent basis. And you would that 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 would be a way in which you would kind of build up public housing stock. So essentially, that's what it do. The other thing we make the case for is that the. A state agency, a single state agency that was given this mandate funding could set up modular housing factories. And we're seeing the development in the UK, for example, at the moment, a factory is going to be set up within a year that's going to be building 4000 homes a year. You know, if we had a couple of those factories here, you could be building literally close to 10,000 homes. But the problem is that the private market and private investors are reluctant because it's very risky. And so this is this issue we think that the state has to guarantee delivery where the private sector is unwilling to take risk. I'll continue my conversation with Dr. Rory Hearn after this short break. Okay, so... Where is this new state agency going to get all these workers from? So there are a number of ways you could do this. Um, Firstly, we 
point out that there are serious issues of poor conditions in the wider construction industry. That's the evidence is there. Um, issues of you know low wages, issues of insecurity of work, uh, issues of um, what's called bogus self-employment. And it is a, an industry that's rife with this boom bust cycle. And so we know we have many workers who are, are many people, young people who are unwilling to go into construction because it's so insecure. Is that why they're unwilling to go in there, Rory, though, really? Well, it is. It is part of the reason. Absolutely, it is. And you think that if the state, if a state company could offer them like a, you know, a civil, effectively a civil service job, that they would be prepared to go into construction? Absolutely. I, I think like if you look at it, then again, I bring the comparison back to schools and hospitals. We attract and we train and we employ on a permanent basis with relatively decent salaries, our nurses, doctors, teachers, and we get them, we attract them. And we actually, well, you know, we're a certain amount losing them now, but uh, because we're not providing housing, but we attract them. And I think in a similar way, you could do it with construction. We have a massive trades deficit in this country. We do. And the apprenticeships is the key route to achieving that. And again, part of the issue is that builders are unwilling to take on apprentices because they themselves are in a situation of insecurity. And the more of this subcontract subcontracting you have, the less apprentices you have. So a large public construction agency could bring in large scale um, apprenticeships as well, which would bring people in in terms of that. So, I mean, I, I, st- I still think that the the availability of manpower for this for this for a state agency to get up and running really quickly is a significant problem. It, it is a significant issue. I, I am not dis, I'm not disputing that at all and accept it, it would be a big challenge. But I do think that there are you would overcome it in terms of providing those quality contracts and those apprenticeships. And I'm not saying this could be done overnight, but I think a reasonable target would be two to three years where you would be starting to try and ramp up that delivery. There is another area you could get this rapidly, which is the purchase of existing companies and construction companies. And um, people aren't probably familiar with this. There's actually been quite a high number um, of bankruptcies in the last year um, of private construction companies in Ireland. They're currently going to liquidation in terms of the courts. There's a very high profile reported yesterday of a large company that's actually based in the UK. And these are going into liquidation. They're essentially been folded up because of the costs, the high cost of materials, rising interest rates, inflation. It's not viable for them. Um, and the state could buy those and essentially put the money in that requires them to keep going. And it could bring in the the expertise and the capacity that way. So money does not seem to be a problem. Uh, where's the land coming from? Where where are all these houses going to be built on? So there are two things. First is in terms of the land. We have enough um, local authority zoned land to build 100,000 homes. That's what's currently available. Is it serviced? In terms of servicing, that's a good question. I think the Land Development Agency did a a piece of research which showed there was at least 60,000 were serviced as well. That's my understanding. Okay, we know that one area that is a constant problem in terms of housing delivery in this country is planning. Uh, Not just the getting planning, the delay in getting planning. So are you suggesting that this state agency would have sort of superpowers that it could, for example, override the national planning framework? 
No, I don't think so. It would, it would have to follow the existing planning um, planning rules and planning guidelines. We know, for example, local authorities can have a particular route at which they can progress planning through um, part four. And, you know, you could look at seeing could the agency have those powers as well, which would be a faster route, but it still would require to go through planning. Um, and that, again, is an issue that would have to be dealt with. I would think that the public would be in much more favour of supporting developments that had mixed incomes in them where they could see their children and themselves would be able to access affordable housing and there would be much less objections to than, for example, build-to-rent developments that people see no future in. Um, and I do think it's important to point out as well that that there are seventy to 80,000 planning permission units that have complete planning permission. Planning is no objection, but they're not being built because it's not deemed viable by the private market, which comes back to the point that, you know, the private market has major issues in terms of delivery. And our point in our paper is that the state needs to guarantee its own delivery of social and affordable housing. Let the market do what the market wants to do. But at a minimum, the state has to guarantee uh, a sufficient supply of social and affordable housing. Can you give me a time frame that you, you see this agency being set up and when would it start delivering? And you say in volume, what what volume are you talking about? Within two years, there is no reason why an agency couldn't be starting to deliver, for example, modular housing um, on a significant scale. The You know, there's a cultural resistance to modular housing. There is a cultural resistance, but as people see those homes, that's changing. Um, and what increasingly what I hear from people is they want modular housing for being built for everybody in this country and they want quality housing being built and the developments within modular, which is factory built, essentially, it's like people think of modular as um, porta cabins and things like that. That's not what modular is. Modular is essentially factory produced housing. And there's been huge developments in terms of the style, the design, the the lifespan of these units, um, of these homes, should I say. And I think that uh, as people see them, there will be much more support for them. But again, that does come back to, you know, you're reliant on, on the private market to deliver a certain amount of these houses. We know the private market is about, and this will come back to, is about maximizing profit return. It's not necessarily doing the best design for the public sector for social and affordable housing, whereas I believe we should have the highest quality for social and affordable housing. In terms of numbers, I gave you that example. That, as I said, there's a factory currently being set up in the UK. They say the, the private company that's doing it is saying they're going to have it set up and running within a year. There will be a thousand employees in it and it will be producing 4,000 homes. So if they can do it within a year, why can't we do it? So what then would you think would be the political appetite for a plan like this? Well, I sent the proposal, uh, the invite to the launch yesterday to the Minister for Housing. Um, and This is a paper. You you wrote the opinion piece, but this is a separate paper. It's based on a paper. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so a there, there's a paper. much longer uh, detailed paper that myself and Phil, uh, my co-author Phil Murphy, have written um, over the last few months. We've done a lot of research and put it together. And that's available on the Maynooth University Social Sciences Institute website. People can look at it, download it. And we, as I said, sent it to the Minister for Housing and we invited opposition spokespeople. Ona Bryn um, from Sinn Féin was at the webinar. He spoke very favourably in terms of the idea, you know, different questions around it. And we will be writing to the Oireachtas Committee on Housing um, to seek to can we present the proposal to the committee 
um, to progress it. And we'll be sending the proposal to um, the Department of Housing, the housing agency, and seek to engage. You know, I think that for the government, they're currently saying, you know, housing is the number one priority. They want action on this. Um, to me, I don't see why they wouldn't seriously engage with this and um, take it on board, given that, you know, the market is not delivering social and affordable housing. Neither is the state in current way. We need a new approach and new ideas. And I think we need to do something that will permanently solve our social and affordable housing crisis. Academics are fairly used to having their theories, their papers, their proposals, their pitches ignored, because I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that that a view might be taken, that that is within the hallowed halls of academia, that the real world works differently. Do you see a state agency like the state agency you've proposed being established in our lifetime? Something like this will happen in our lifetime. I do believe it will. And it's interesting you say that because it, it would be sometimes um, I would be critical of academics of just doing the report and the research and kind of leaving it there and saying, OK, well, let's, you know, hope somebody takes that up. I do think there's a role for academics, researchers to then, you know, make that case in the public sphere for the ideas and and. Because, you know, we need to debate them and we need to discuss them. And I think that there needs to be more openness to uh, engaging with academics and then academics actually taking the responsibility as well and say, OK, I have to make a case for this. I need to go into, you know, the media and do interviews and discussion and talk to people and try and progress it. And so I think that in terms of this idea, I do think it is going to happen because, as I said earlier, I think there's been a, a seismic shift in our values around housing and how we see housing and how we understand it and, and a broader recognition, particularly generationally, but I think across the generations that the state has to deliver housing and that we need new ways of looking at it. And I think from everybody I talked to and the feedback I get, you know, and these are people working within construction, just ordinary people, you say to them, we need a public company to build housing. And they go, yeah, absolutely. It just makes complete sense. And the only people who seem quite rigidly opposed to it are, of course, people who benefit from the existing um, scenario and the existing way the system works, but the system doesn't work for most people. And this is, it is a radical idea, you know, I accept that. It is, it is one that's thinking really outside the box and thinking, you know, how could we do this very, very differently? Um, and I will continue to advocate it and develop. And I know there's a lot of people are like, I've had a huge response to it, to the, to the opinion piece and to the proposal. A lot of people in a lot of different areas very, really want to engage with the idea. They mightn't agree with it fully, but they, they do agree with the core and they want to see how it can be progressed. So I actually feel quite optimistic that this will be uh, developed at some point, hopefully not in the far future. Thanks very much, Rory. Thank you. That's it for today. For more opinion and analysis, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back on Monday. <laughs>